I am so excited to invite you to join me live in person August 21st to the 23rd at my first ever live Climb Women's Retreat here on the Central Coast of California. There are only 36 spots available for this intimate three-day retreat where you can say yes to yourself again, create powerful connections, learn from inspiring speakers, and grow self-confidence all while finding joy in the journey. Now, this isn't just any women's wellness retreat. It's about mind, body, and soul. Alongside other women, you'll rediscover the power and beauty within yourself and leave with a sense of rejuvenated energy unlike ever before. I'm hosting it at one of my favorite places in the world and one of the most iconic hotels in all of California, the Madonna Inn. Join us for connection, deep learning and understanding about yourself, and so much fun. Will there be charcuterie and wine? Absolutely. Will there be a sunset dinner by the beach? Absolutely. Will there be so much joy? Oh, you better believe it. There are only 36 spots available, so don't wait. Come grab your seat. Click the link below in the show notes to join or visit coachkaya.com to learn more. Hope to see you here this summer in sunny California. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Today, I'm introducing you to an incredible woman who I was fortunate enough to meet in person while I was speaking at a Red Angus convention in Boise, Idaho. Now, after talking with her for just a few minutes, I was blown away by her story, blown away by her heart, and I knew that we needed to bring her here on the show to share it with you. As a little teaser, Carrie Portell, our guest today, is a keynote speaker and an author. She motivates and inspires her audiences to break through limitations, learn to believe in themselves, and tap into their higher power as a source of inspiration. Her message teaches us to thrive despite challenges and arrive with an attitude of gratitude on our path to success. I cannot wait for you guys to hear her inspiring story. You will be absolutely blown away. Let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you, Kaya. It's so nice to see you again, and I'm super excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I am so thrilled to have you. You are just such a light in this world and I cannot wait for um, you to pour your heart and wisdom into our listeners today. Now, I know I mentioned in our welcome that you are a speaker, but you, Miss Carrie, are so much more than just a speaker. When you're not on stages, tell us who is Carrie Portel, what do you do day to day, and what are some of the things that light you up? Yeah. So I... I confuse a lot of people when I say this, uh, when I'm on stage, I say, you know, when I'm not speaking nationally to all of you guys, I'm at home in South Central Missouri working as a cow-calf producer. And after they see my presentation, they're like, that makes zero sense, Carrie, (laughs) for, for the situation that you're in, the injuries that you have. But that's what I do. Um, it's a wonderful story of how it has helped me through my journey but it is, it's definitely been like a mental therapy for me as well, the cattle farming. So it's, uh, I do get a lot of eyebrows raised when I, when I say that for sure. 
So you mentioned, Carrie, you alluded to your injuries and why people are blown away by the fact that you are a cattle farmer by day. So tell us what you're alluding to. For those that don't know about you and your story, what are these injuries you're talking about? Tell us about this event that I'm assuming you would agree with me completely changed your life in a really big way. Yeah, it's a definite niche in my timeline. There's always uh, before and after the car crash. Like we just can't get past it. So 11 years ago in this past December, two of my children and I were hit by a drunk driver and it was it was a severe four car pileup. It was fatal. Most importantly though, I feel like God answered my prayers when I said, save my girls and take me. So he, he ended up leaving us all three here um, along with um, the other victims that uh, were in the car crash and gave me the injuries compared to my children. So my children were able to heal in about six weeks. It took me four years to be able, you know, my surgeons say, Carrie, this is about all we can do at this point. You know, don't come back unless you have problems. And I have been back, but those first four years were just filled with surgeries. And at this point, it has left me with partially disabling injuries. I am a 75% wheelchair user. And so after I get done with my presentations and I, I basically show them everything that's wrong with me, and then I go into the cattle farming part of my presentation, they're just shaking their heads like, what, girl? <laughs> yeah, as I, as you can imagine, I mean, cattle farming in general is hard work, let alone having, you know, this these injuries that make you 75% wheelchair bound. I think it's kind of hard to, to wrap our minds around it, you know, so Carrie, did you, was your family involved in farming before this accident? Yes, we were. We, uh, we had kind of taken a break from the beef cattle industry. And at that point in time, my husband had really gotten into training horses with my father. And so we had switched over to raising some Corriente cows for roping. So uh, my family is big into team roping. And so whenever we realized how bad my injuries were and that I definitely was not going back to work quickly. We immediately sold all the Corriente and most of our horses. We had to get rid of a lot of our equipment. And then, you know, something kind of happens to you that even though we were not in the best financial situation at that point, we're like, you know what? This is not our fault. We didn't, we did nothing to deserve this. And if we don't get back into the cattle industry, I mean, we had a farm to do it. We knew that we would regret it. So we decided to just jump in again with both feet and say, you know what? If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we've got things to sell. So we did it. And at that point, um, we did get back into the cow-calf operation. And that was, I think, 2012. And like cattle prices skyrocketed. It was crazy that we jumped into it at that time. So like our first four years were phenomenal. We, we couldn't have picked a better time, but so we had a great start to it again, getting back into it. But the biggest thing for me with the cattle farming is, um, you know, it, farming in general is such a physical demanding career to choose. But for me, I had a phenomenal physical therapist that said, Carrie, you know, stop coming in here two and three times a week. Like you have a farm. Let's figure out how you can do your farm chores as part of your physical therapy and kind of do a trial and error thing because we don't want you to hurt yourself <laughs> any further. But that's kind of how it started is uh, it became my physical therapy. And I had no idea how much mental therapy it was actually going to lend to me. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I want to come back to that here in a minute, but I want to go back to the accident if, if that's okay. Uh-huh. Yep. You know, I want you to paint this picture of the day that it happened before it happened. Was it just like any normal day? Yes, it was crazy. I, I tell people it happened just like it does in the movies. And I used to think that was just a bowl of bologna, you know, but it truly is exactly how it happened. So I had just transferred um, back into the medical field. I was a full-time portrait photographer and I went back to um, healthcare. I was an x-ray and an MRI tech. So I was at my day job. I worked in a private radiology clinic and it was December 29th. So it was Christmas vacation for my kids. And we had four kids who were very close uh, in age. They ranged from, I think, eight to 13 years at that age. And my husband decided to stay home with him. And like, of course, they were driving him bonkers. And by mid-afternoon, he's like, man, they're driving me crazy, Carrie. And I said, okay. Um, it was a Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, I went to teach a Zumba class in a neighboring town. And I, I remember saying, you know what? I'll just run home real quick. I'll grab two of the girls because sometimes the ladies need babysitters. And I'll just take them with me. So, I mean, it's, I, I barely had any time to actually do that. So it was, it was like 10 minutes in the house to change, say, Hey, you two come with me and off we went. So, um, the girls are two middle children were both girls and they were the ages of 10 and 12. And boy, did they love to make fun of us and how we moved in Zumba class because I had just turned 35 and they said us old women, you know, so I was old (laughs) at 35 And they were just laughing up a storm, just laughing and laughing and laughing. And it was such a good moment. Like, I remember this moment, just just looking at them and they were just funny. And then it was the very next second, you know, I'm looking at them and then I look back at the road and I'm like, holy bejesus, look, look what's going to happen. Like, I knew it was going to be inevitable and I knew it was going to be bad. Oh, man. So this crash happens. What is the next thing that you remember? You know, what was going through your mind at that moment? At the at the very moment that it happened, it was, okay, I, I have to accept that this is going to happen. My next thought was, is there any way that I can lessen this impact? And the third was, like, I accepted in that amount of time that I was probably going to lose my life. And that's whenever I begged God, I'm like, please, please, please mm. just leave the girls and take me. And then, then I just, I, it was, I got knocked out. Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I can't imagine. So you, the, the crash happens, you come to, when did you realize the severity of what had gotten down and what, what the situation really was? Well, when I woke up, of course I was very confused. Um, I was still kind of going in and out of consciousness and it was confusing to me because I could only see out of my left eye and I was only seen in black and white at that point. So I had a, you know, something was wrong with my head, <laughs> obviously, because mm-hmm. that doesn't just happen. And then I like to break through the fog, the shock, I heard the girls yelling at me and it was mommy, mommy, are you okay? Mommy, please wake up. And as I was trying to grasp what was happening, I remember thinking, oh my God, oh my God, this happened. And I know it has to be bad, but I couldn't, Mm -hmm. they were to my right and I couldn't see them. It was just darkness, but I could hear, I could hear the panic in their voice, but they weren't like going crazy because we had talked about this moment 
many, many times that if something had happened that I needed them to stay calm so that we could get help. Mm -hmm. And they, I couldn't believe that they actually did it, but they did. They stayed, you know, as calm as their little bodies uh, could, could handle. And I remember saying, you know, everything's going to be okay. We've got to keep calm. And apparently it was only like partial words coming out from what the girls said. And the first thing I said is we have to call 911 because I had, I had no idea at that point who was around us. I thought at that point it was only me and the impaired driver, but there was four vehicles involved. And I just, I didn't remember that for a long time. And it was just like, I need the girls to be okay. I need someone to take care of the girls because then like within two minutes, I remember saying, I don't feel anything like nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, what does that mean? And then like, like waves rushing up onto the shore, I felt the, the waves of the most sickening pain you could ever, I don't even know if I could say imagine because I couldn't ever imagine feeling this before it, before it happened, but just over and over and over again, I would feel it rush up to me and I, I would pass out and then I would come to and pass out again. And I just, the only thing I remembered was I've got to get somebody to take these girls. Cause I knew at that point, my legs were trapped. I had tried to pull them out and they weren't moving. So that was my biggest concern was I've got to get these girls help. I don't know how bad they're injured. If I'm injured this bad, they have to be injured. So that was like my, I, I was so upset in my heart that I could not help them. Oh, it's, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around what it would feel like in that moment. So we fast forward, you get to the hospital, the girls are mostly safe. What ended up, I guess, what was the severity of your injuries? And I, I, you mentioned earlier four years, was that what the recovery time took for you? Yeah, that's what it took for me because it was like, we never got to stop having reconstructive surgeries because my my bones were just so shattered that they couldn't hold my weight and they just weren't filling back in like they were supposed to. So it was just, as soon as I would get done with one surgery, I would like kind of get partially recovered and we would think, oh, you know, maybe I get to stand up, you know, try standing up. And um, then he's like, this isn't working. We're going to have to do another surgery. So it's um, my pelvis and both of my lower legs and ankles are the, the injuries that disable me today. So total, I've had 13 um, reconstructive surgeries to kind of keep things together to a point where I can continue walking part-time. And I'm, I'm hoping with everything that I'm doing that it will keep me walking for, you know, at least a little bit longer. I've already surpassed the, the time limit that they said I had to walk. So I'm like, hey, I'm, I am working so hard it's like a part-time job to take care of my health right now. So, um, but it's paying off. It's paying off. I'm still walking. I'm still doing well. I have many, many, I guess, bouts of flare-ups between the arthritis and the neuralgia and just pain flare-ups in general. But yeah, it was, it was four years. I think I had, gosh, nine or 10 surgeries in four years. And then I've been back a few times after that. Wow. Wow. You know, Carrie, I can imagine that this experience and this recovery process obviously took a huge toll on your body, but how did you how did you manage working through that process? I can imagine the mental and emotional toll that going through all these surgeries and obviously not having the same abilities and being able to be as involved with your family or on the farm. 
how did you manage to go through that mentally and emotionally while you were physically recovering in your body? I love that you asked that question because so many people just associate with my physical pain. And I there's no way for me to describe to people that the the mental and emotional pain hurt just as bad as that physical pain. And it's just as difficult to work through because you've got so much chaos going on in your heart. And then your mind is just, it's just going a mile a minute. And for me, I mean, I was going 90 to nothing before this crash happened. I had four young kids, you know, I had a farm, I had all this stuff going on. So it wasn't like I ever stopped. And then I came to a complete halt. And so my mind was like, wait a minute, I'm so used to being busy and now I can't do anything except heal for such a long time. I mean, the first time that I got to do the laundry, like I was so excited. It was ridiculous just to be able to do the laundry or, you know, figure out how to vacuum the, um, the carpet in a wheelchair. But that was like months and months down the road. So the mental, the mental part was I... I began journaling and that was at the suggestion of my priest. Uh, He came out and visited with me and and he said, you know, Carrie, I journal. And I thought, man, you know, I used to journal as a teenager just to get my thoughts out. Why don't I do that as an adult? So that became my lifeline because I could puke everything out in there without feeling judgment, without hurting anyone else's feelings. I just, I needed to get like my frustration out there so that it wouldn't come out to the people who loved me. And um, it just takes time, like the emotional toll. Like I, I had a lot of talks with my husband and my kids. I had a lot of talks with the impaired driver who hit us, even though he is no longer with us um, in this world. He, he died on impact. But those kind of things, just like, I guess working through it, like acceptance was my biggest first step. Like this happened, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. I I couldn't change it. I didn't choose it, but it's here. So, you know, they say you can wish in one hand and in the other, it doesn't change anything. So um, the other thing is I have a husband that he he always tells me, he's like, here, you don't need to tell people that. Don't, Don't like stroke my ego. But he was, he was my rock, my lifeline. He is a traditional cattle farmer, I would say. He's he's blunt. He gave me just enough empathy that I didn't stay down in my valleys and he gave me just enough push not to make me angry, you know, or um I shouldn't say that because he has no problem making me angry. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like I, if I need to push you, this that's what I'm going to need to do. But he knew how to get me out of my valleys. Um but it was I swear he has his own story that he could tell because he had he has a completely yeah, different that. perspective on the caregiver side and then the entire care of our lives, our family, our farm and me like landed in his lap within one evening. And mm-hmm. he didn't bat an eye, Kaya. Like I just look at him and I'm like, he's just like, shit happened and this is what we've got to do. So luckily we're like on the same mental wavelength that we both think the same. So we have the same thought process of, I guess, being realistic, you know, yeah. it, it happened, there's nothing we can do about it. So what we, what can we do from this point forward? And that was both mm-hmm. of our mental attitudes. And I think that it worked really well because that's what our kids held on to. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't see us 
wallowing and just, I don't know, I guess just collapse in a pile of sorrow. We were like, okay, we have stuff to do. Like we are busy people. We have all of you children. So we got to, we got to do the best that we can at this point. So um, I, I think that's the same attitude our kids took. I think that's so powerful for them to witness and see in you all because I think, you know, the truth is, is that unfair things happen all the time. Devastating things happen all the time. And while it's it's not fair, while, you know, we, we don't wish that on anybody, we can't always, you know, know with certainty that bad things aren't going to happen. But when we're dealt a bad hand, like obviously you and your family were, the only thing that we can control is how we choose to respond and how we choose to think and move forward. And I'm sure there's probably a phase of that where there's a lot of grief and sorrow. And I think that's part of the process, but also being empowered to recognize where you can make choices, I think is just so important. Yeah, it there there was so much grief uh, that first year because it, that first year just it was unrelenting and I I had a lot of grief that my family wasn't getting the best version of me. You know, it was, I, my kids weren't getting the mom that they were supposed to be. Like we were very active. I was in the front yard with them all the time or, you know, at their events. I mean, one of them had an event or multiple of them had mm-hmm. events every night and I, I couldn't be the one anymore. Yeah. Um, so that part was difficult. And, you know, there were, there's some occasions that I'm like, man, I did not get to be the mom that I wanted to be. Like I should have gotten to be. And so I have a lot of mom guilt with that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you really get to a point when you are put in a position like that, where you get down to the very, very foundation of life that you start thinking And you have to get real with yourself and you have to find out how strong are you? Like, I know you want to give up right now, but how strong can you be? And why, why do you keep pushing? What's your reason? And man, did I have so many conversations with myself in my living room, just laying there waiting, waiting for the time that I could get up and actually do something besides let my body heal. And the conversations that I had with God, it's, you know, I was never angry or anything with them, but I'm like, my faith brings me to the point that you saved me. So that means I'm not done here. Like I'm still supposed to be doing something for you. So what is it? And that was one of my questions that I, it just kept coming to me and I didn't hear anything for a long time because he was trying to tell me, Carrie, I need you to heal first before I can use you again, you know? Uh And I was being impatient. So that there was a lot, a lot of self-talk. And there were some days that I I just would need my husband, you know, I'm sorry that I keep like weighing on you, but I need, I need you to tell me I'm going to be okay. Like I need somebody else besides myself to tell me. And most of the time, that's all it took was just the, the belief that somebody else had. Yeah. Season one of the Backroad Cowgirls, Court and Kaya Take California is officially live and out into the world, streaming now on YouTube. Alongside my host, Courtney Dehoff, we loaded up into a van and traveled across the great Golden State to share the incredible faces of California agriculture. And we cannot wait to share with you their inspiring stories. 
and some of the shenanigans we got into along the way. You can visit backroadcowgirls.com to join our email newsletter so you don't miss a beat, learn more about the project, and make sure to subscribe to our channel right now on YouTube. Stay tuned and check out some of the incredible stories we cannot wait to share with you. You know, Carrie, it's been so cool since I've met you now being able to watch your journey and, you know, seeing this side of you after the accident and all this growth. And I know you said at the beginning, trying to figure out, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? What is it that you're doing with this now? What do you think has been, have you found this, you know, strength from the struggle? What have you used from those lessons learned? Yeah, I I tell people that I am a public speaker by circumstance because I never would have chosen it. It would have been the very last thing on this earth that I chose because I, I, I still don't like being the center of attention. I've just switched it in my mind that I'm doing this for a purpose. So then it, it gives me like a different perspective on it. But initially um, I was taken to Barnes hospital in St. Louis and they're, they're combined with Washington university and they're just an enormous facility. And they said, Carrie, you know, we have a program that sends people like you out to schools to talk to students. So that's how I initially began. And I had to wait until after those first four years before I could stop having surgeries to do it. And that's how it started, uh, was talking to the students in school. It was honestly the perfect intro because I had four young kids that were growing into teenagers at the time. So I felt like I knew how to talk to that group of uh, individuals without them becoming defensive. And then it started becoming that I was using physical therapy uh, as our cattle farming as my physical therapy and people started latching on to that. So then I started getting calls from the agriculture community. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. You know, I'm just trying to live, but I didn't realize that during my journey, people were seeing something that they, they were needing in their life. And I'm like, oh, so maybe I can talk to the ag world about, you know, farming with disabilities and farming's hard in general, but add that I'm a woman who has, you know, much less muscle and stature than a a traditional farmer, a man, and then add the disabilities on top of it. I'm like, oh, I guess I can talk about that. And then it just kept kind of like snowballing. So I, I didn't reach out to anyone like the first two years because I was still emotionally dealing with what had happened. And I know people are thinking probably, you know, well, it was four years after the car crash, but I never got to just move on from it because I was continuing to have all the surgeries. So what I realized those first two years was really, they were for me, those first two Mm. years of speaking, because it was a purge and heal process. And I would get to puke out a little bit of that hurt that was continuing to stay in my heart. And then I realized afterwards, I'm like, boy, I feel better. I feel better from that. So selfishly, um, I feel like it was for me in the beginning, but like now I'm totally able to concentrate on everyone else. That is just so incredible. And and I loved hearing you say at the beginning that, you know, you don't like being the center of attention, but focusing it on other people. And for me, before I public speak, when I find myself getting nervous, it's always because I'm in my ego or like I'm afraid that like, so I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to trip and fall or I'm going to 
look silly. And when I get myself into the mindset of it is not about me, I am here to serve. I'm here to pour into other people. Man, it just feels so aligned and so good. So I love to hear that that's kind of something that you use to approach it as well. You know, sharing your story on these stages and just, you know, having conversation with the individuals that you get to meet how has your perspective changed or or what perspective do you have to offer someone who maybe right now is in the trenches of, you know, maybe they're going through their own physical recovery or whatever that trench looks like for them? What is what is the perspective that you offer someone who might be at that beginning stage or going through it? I think in the beginning, the things that really, really, I guess, defined my situation was humility and vulnerability. Like I have never been humbled to that point in my entire life. And I also had never been that vulnerable. And it was very hard to not be independent like I was before and to be, to be in that position where like my heart was just out there for everybody to see because I was so raw inside that I couldn't hide it. I mean, as soon as you talked about it, these deep embedded emotions would come up. So I I would say one, you're just going to have to embrace that. Like (laughs) things get real at that point. And if you keep trying to push it off, you're you're not going to get through it. I mean, you're the whole point of these type of journeys is that you're going to have some kind of growth, like self growth. And I feel like that's the whole point of going through these is I, I know I keep giving, you know, bringing up God, but he was just such an important part and of my journey. And he gives us struggles to make us strong. You know, he gives us like we, we beg for wisdom. And so he gives us <laughs> these experiences and these questions to answer so that we get wiser. He does all these things. And we humans, we don't learn from easy lessons. We're so silly. Like we, we've got to have the lessons that hurt that we go, oh my gosh, well, I'm not doing that again. That really sucked, you know? So um, that's just how we are. And so the ones that hurt are the ones that stick. The ones that hurt are the ones that stick. Gosh, that's true. It's not fun, but it's true. It's absolutely true. not fun. I know you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, as someone who obviously has all of these injuries and, and things you are working through, it's, it's I can imagine, important for you to really focus on your health and your well-being and managing your pain and whatnot. I'm curious, too, how has your relationship with your body evolved through this? I I really did not take time to spend much on my personal well-being um, before this. Uh, I mean, I, I did exercise. Obviously, I was a Zumba instructor, but like the way that I fuel my body now is completely different. Before I was running so fast, you know, and it, it, to try to get the kids to a practice or a ball game, I would eat two forkfuls of dinner and be on our way. And that's that's how it went. Like there was no like really nice sit down dinner that was planned out except maybe, you know, on a Sunday, Sunday dinner was like that. But now I realize that in order for me to keep my energy level up, even it, cause my energy is so much lower than it used to be. And it, it leaves me so quickly because when you're always fighting pain, it's using that energy. 
So the way that I fuel my body with food is much different than it used to be. Um, and everybody wants to just like control their pain with medicine. I try to do it with different ways, like basically every way possible I can before I take a pain pill. So all, all of that medicine does help you, but it also has side effects that aren't as great. So I, I try to keep medicine at a minimum, if at all possible. Sometimes you just have to. But yeah, being being healthy on the inside and the outside is honestly my primary right now. Like that's my primary focus because if I don't have that, then I don't have anything else. Oh gosh, it's so true. And I think that's true for all of us. I think it's easy for us to put it off to the side or take our health for granted, but there's nothing like, um, you know, an accident like this to really change your perspective on something. I just had a conversation yesterday with a group of women and we were talking about, you know, as we're recording this, Carrie, it's um, getting into the summertime and we were talking about all these women that really struggle with body insecurities and, you know, not wanting that, that are saying no to doing things with their kids during the summer, like going to the beach or going to the pool because they're afraid of, you know, judgment or whatever their insecurities are, what people might think of their bodies. And as I hear you talking about this and you thinking about, you know, that experience going through this accident, being, you know, bed bound, going through this recovery, I just, I think about how we sometimes get it so wrong where our focus is. And when we think about our health and we get so focused on aesthetics, when at the end of the day, like just what a gift is it? to be here with your kids in the first place and to focus on like the memories you make with them versus spending all this energy on these things that I just feel don't matter. Right. 100%. It brings your core values to the surface. Uh, At least it did for our family. It's these kids and our family are the most important. And that's why my husband and I, like we grabbed onto each other and held on so hard to keep our family together because we're a blended family anyway. So, you know, every every family's got their issues, but we had the blended family aspect. So in order for our family not to get ripped apart, we, we just kept holding on and we kept having those conversations um, with them saying, you know, life is tough right now. We've, we've just got to keep holding on. Mom's going to get through this. We're all going to get through this. And the other aspect I always, um, because so much attention was always focused on me with having surgery after surgery Mm -hmm. that I wanted to make sure that the kids didn't feel like they were being left, you know, like their, Mm. their middle school fiascos were not important. You know, that's not true. So when they would come home and they would have these things happen, you know, the drama that happens in middle school, it's very important to them. So those kind of things we had to make sure that we still took hold of, even though it was, it was exhausting. You know, we had all this other (laughs) stuff going on and then we've got middle school drama and you're like, Oh, but this is life. This is how it's supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. So Carrie, you now have really turned this pain and these struggles into this incredible platform to help others that are facing their own challenges in life. And I think that it's just, it's, so cool what you're doing and how you're serving others based on what you've learned through this journey. I know you mentioned that you're a speaker and you speak on all sorts of stages, but you also, after I met you in Boise, you shared with me a book that you wrote as well. Can you talk to me about that and what inspired you to write this book? Yeah. My community pushed me really hard on that book for years. 
And I just, I just didn't want to do it. Um, I didn't want to have to go back there and write about all that. And it was, it was at towards the end, I guess, of that, those first four years that they really started pushing me. And I was like, I'm not ready yet. But that's basically, my book came from my journal. And I started out writing blog posts about certain situations that happened to me. And then I basically put those all into a book. And I only wrote about that first year because that was the very, that was the most detrimental year of my recovery. And it was the hardest for our family. And it's, it's a short book, but boy, do I just get right to the point. Like I just go right into it. And I just, I just delved into it and puked out a bunch of stuff. And I had always told my audience, my community saying, I'm going to have to be real because this is the way it was in my house. You know, like, I'm not going to tell you everything because some things are just family private, but things like you think I was always up here, up high, like keeping a great attitude. But there's, there's days where I was throwing a lot of F-bombs and like, this sucks. Like, I just want to get up and be able to walk out on my back deck and I can't do that. So, um, it is filled with a lot of those moments, but at the end of each chapter, I wrote what I learned. What was the lesson that I learned because of what happened to me in this chapter? So it was me, like your, the name of your podcast is perfect for me because I always felt like I was climbing this mountain. And the first four years was, I'm going to be able to walk when I get to the top of the mountain, like just me, unsupported. And now that I've done that, I, I am always continuing to climb a mountain because if I don't keep climbing, I'm going to fall back into this hole of despair and I'm afraid that I will stop walking because I'll just give up. And then that means I will give up on life. And then, then I'm afraid, what is my life expectancy? Is it going to be shorter than it should be? So that's, I just keep climbing and climbing and climbing so that I don't fall back into that black hole. Mm. Well, I, I can attest that her book is so good, so raw, so vulnerable and just really impactful. I was reading it one day on my stationary bike and I'm sitting there. I just want to paint this picture for you, Carrie. I'm sitting on my stationary bike in my living room, sweating and crying like crazy <laughs> reading your book, but it is it is so good. Her book is called Facing Life Head On and we will have it linked in the show notes if you guys want to check it out as well. But I want to touch on the climbing thing. You know, Yes, I, I named this podcast Climbing because I think that we're all climbing our own mountains. And, and to your point, I think it's not just one mountain, but it's kind of like the series of mountain ranges, right? The mountain that we're climbing changes depending on where we're at in our life. And I'm curious for you right now, Carrie, what is a mountain that you feel like you're currently climbing in your life or your career that you're open to sharing? I would say like personally, it's just always trying to maintain my health, maintain my injuries and that, that is going to be an ongoing thing for the rest of my life. I know that. So that almost becomes habit to do every day. So what I'd like to concentrate on now is how can I use everything that I learned to help others? It's I, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. So I can't give you advice and tell you what to do. But what can I share from my situation that is going to help you get through yours? That That is my next step. Like, I'm speaking. I wrote a book. I, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a course. But it's just, it's reaching more of you so that I, I just don't want you to have to struggle alone. Because it is, it's really lonely 
when you're in a situation like that and you do feel like you're alone, even though there's many other people out there. And that I would say social media has a double-edged sword, but I feel like if you can use it on the positive side and connect with those type of people that say, I'm kind of going through the same thing. I see what you did. Maybe I can use those same steps and to help my life. It doesn't even have to be similar to to yours because pain is pain. Like it all hurts. Trauma is is the same regardless of level. So if you can use social media to connect with those people, I really feel like it will help because when you're in a situation like this, it gets lonely. Like you feel like you're alone, even though you know there are plenty of people out there who are going through hard stuff. Nobody talks about it. So you, you're confined to this space and you're thinking, God, I'm just, nobody understands. Nobody understands how hard this is. And connecting with those type of people and saying, I was there, I am there. I promise you, it is the worst that it can get right now. But if you keep, keep trying and you surround yourself with a positive support system, you're going to get through this. The big takeaway that I give them, though, is that it may not turn out the way that you want it to, you know, and it might be really, really difficult, but you will get through it. Mm, That's powerful. Um, I heard that you might have a new podcast out as well where you share more. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so I have the best of both worlds because I always told everybody, I'm like, no, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't want all the work behind it. So I had collaborated with the AgriSafe Response Network, um, helping them with like farming with disabilities. And last fall, they came to me and they said, Carrie, we have this new podcast that we want to Uh, launch. It's called Talking Total Farmer Health. And it's going to be basically taking care of the farmer from every aspect, whether it's um, physical, mental, emotional, whether it's out in the actual farm on the field, you know. And I was like, well, that sounds like it's right up my alley. So right now we're just doing one episode a month, but uh, getting out there and, and talking to producers or uh, people who are in the mental health and ag world, like being able to help and find those resources to pass on. I I just absolutely love it. I eat it up. The best part about it is I don't have to do any of the work on the back end. Like there's no editing. There's, I don't have to do any of that stuff. So I get to do the fun part and then I get to pass that on um, to, to the team behind the scenes. So it's, it's wonderful. Gosh, I love that. I'm so excited. That sounds like such a a perfect project for you. You know, I think, Carrie, it's just, it's so amazing to see the way that you have built this career, this business in a way that connects your your own lessons, your own kind of purpose that you've discovered through the struggles you've walked along with your passion for serving other people and being aligned with the agriculture community that you're in as well. I just think it's so amazing. And I know that the stories that you share in all the different platforms make more impact than you probably even realize. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story here today with my podcast listeners. If people want to connect with you or hear more, where can they find you? My website is carryportel.com and I, I basically have everything on there, but I'm on pretty much all the social media channels. I, I'm not very active on Twitter. I just, I'm, I'm still too wordy, even though they lengthen the character length, you know, but, um, and I, being a photographer, I'm more of a picture person anyway. So Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube are my biggest social media channels, but um, my website is where you can get all the info. 
Awesome. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up today, Carrie? Um, I just, I want you to know that everybody's going to go through a challenge and don't compare your challenge to someone else's because it doesn't matter the severity of it because we all have to get through it the same. So just, just know that with a positive attitude and, and a great support system that you will get through whatever that challenge is. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie. And thank you all for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. We'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.